I'm Dr. Michelle Perez. And I'm Billy Liggett. And this Rise with Orange. With us today is Laura Rich, Director of Access and Outreach in the Office of Student Success. Uh, Laura is a double graduate of Campbell University. She got her undergraduate degree and her master's degree in education here. And she came back to work for Campbell as well. So, uh, Laura, welcome to Rhymes with Orange. Thank you. Glad so to be here. We, uh, we start off every show asking how you got to Campbell. And uh, not only are we going to ask how you got to work here, but uh, what's brought you to uh, become a student here? Well, um, I would say it, it was through youth programs here on campus. So I had come to campus as a teenager and was comfortable here. Um, and felt connected to the community. My parents are actually both Campbell graduates as well. No so, way. Yeah. So we um, are very familiar with the university. Um, so, yeah. Before the show, you, you threw out the word lifer. So yes. I didn't know about the parents as well. Right. Yeah. Okay. Will the kids uh, be following the footsteps as well? That's our college savings plan, so I hope so. <laughs> yes. That, that is a... Uh, a very good incentive for people who work here to stay here. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. definitely. Um, so, what was uh, talk a little bit about your your experience as a student? Then it it must have been good enough for you to want to come back. Yeah, I had a fantastic experience here. The campus um, was very different because it was quite a long time ago. Um, and it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it was a good a good bit a few okay. years ago. Lots okay. of new buildings, lots of new programs, um, things that were not here when I was a student, but the heart and soul of the place has always been the same. Um, and that, you know, that was definitely something that I've always just connected with. Um, so the service focus of our campus and the programs that we graduate students into, you know, from are usually service-based. Um, and so that was what connected with me as a student and convinced me that I wanted to stick around. And so not only did you stick around for grad school, but uh, I think I saw on your, on your, I think through the magic of LinkedIn, I saw that you immediately started working through Campbell, and then you spent a couple years, I think, as a high school counselor, and now you're back at Campbell. Um, uh, talk about the uh, the decision to come back to work here, and how you've seen the campus grow from from when you were a student to what's going on now. Okay. Um, well, I did spend a couple of years as a high school counselor, which was my training here at Campbell, um, was in school counseling. Um, and I have always just had a really strong faith in the potential of education to be life-changing for people. Um, and so that, I'm not a teacher, that is not my gift, but I want to equip students and help them to really benefit from what education can provide. And so I did that in the school system um, and just really felt like I had a better chance to make a bigger impact here. Um, and so when the position opened up again, um, after I had I had left, I jumped at the opportunity to come back. And what is your role now, Campbell? Um, so primarily, I work with students with disabilities, um, making sure that they have access to the tools and resources that they need to be successful um, here on our in our programs. So that's with just about all of the programs at the undergraduate and graduate level. We have the pleasure of working fairly closely <laughs> together, and I've marveled at your expertise with not only in working with our students and their families, but with all the 
federal information and guidelines. And I was wondering if you might be able to share with our listeners some of, some of the, the history as to how disability services mm -hmm. got to higher education and, and maybe it's like ADA mm -hmm. and the trends that we're seeing with our students with disabilities. Well, I mean, it goes back to the Rehabilitation Act back in the 70s um, that first started requiring um, universities and any institution that accepts federal funds to make sure that all of our programs are accessible to students, to all of our students. Um, and so that has gradually become more of a priority um, across the country. And Campbell has served students with disabilities for decades, but we've become much more structured in how we do that in the last 15 years or so. Um, and that's pretty much nationwide. Um, lots of private colleges were a little bit, it took us a little bit longer to get to that point than some of the state institutions because they had more regulations than we did at the time. But um, I've really found that the private college experience, the small college experience is often really a great fit for students with disabilities because they have wonderful access to their professors um, and services and just those those connections that really seem to work um, so so we've kind of come along come a long way when you say students with disabilities uh, what comes to mind to me is maybe hearing impairments mm -hmm. sight impairments physical disabilities but I imagine it's a very broad definition um, how do you define that or how do you try to define that well, legally it's defined um, a person with a disability is a person who has a physical or mental impairment that um, has a significant impact on an area of their life. And the one we see most often here is learning. Um, that's a, a big part of, of your life. Um, so while visible disabilities, things that you can see and observe like um, people who use wheelchairs or um, maybe have a hearing impairment, like you mentioned, have a visual impairment. Those are more recognized, but they're actually a lower percentage of our population um, and of the population of people with disabilities worldwide. Um, probably the biggest increase that I've seen in the last dozen or so years that I've been in this field has been with um, mental health disabilities, which I actually think is a great thing because it's a result of more people seeking out help and seeking out services. Um, so we have students who are getting much farther now because they're getting better services and are able to show us what they really are, are capable of doing. Well, that's interesting because maybe in the past, maybe not too long ago in the past, somebody with a, with a learning disability, um, maybe educators in the past might have, I'm not going to say gave up on them, but certainly wouldn't have thought, well, they're college material. And, but now it sounds like that a learning disability is not a, a roadblock for a college education. So how, how do you help? How do you help? And I, and I imagine that the disabilities, again, very broad range from, from you know, low disability to probably more so. I don't know, I'm not wording it correctly, <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean, though. Well, um, what, yeah. what kind of support yeah. and access? Yeah, what kind of support? Well, um, everybody's experience is different. So um, every, just because a student has a learning disability doesn't mean they'll be, they'll have the same, you know, concerns or needs or strengths or weaknesses as another student with a learning disability. Everybody's unique. So some of the, the more common things may be, you know, students that need assistance, making sure they're getting all of the information in class. So um, 
we provide services to make sure they're getting everything from their professors and then that they can turn around and show their professors what they did with that information on tests and on projects and things like that. So there's support to make sure that everybody's communicating clearly. Um, Could you uh, list maybe two or three types of supports that... Sure. Um, so we have we do have a, a significant number of students on our campus who have hearing impairments, um, and so we have a really some really amazing technology that allows us to provide live captioning, just like you would see on your television, for their classroom lectures. Um, so it's really um, it's really cool technology that allows the student to interact in real time with the class, um, and then also be able to follow along with notes afterwards. Um, so that would be something that we, we spend a lot of, a lot of time on. Um, also just testing accommodations. The testing environment is honestly kind of weird. Like nowhere else in your life do you sit with a piece of paper and work like that. You know, that's a unique experience during your time in education. And so that doesn't work for everybody, so there may be some things we need to adjust. Um, you know, if you need a little bit more time to think through information and process it, I try to remind students that their professors want to know what they've learned. They're not testing speed. Right. And so um, those would probably be more of the, some of the common accommodations that we use here. So do you act somewhat of as a liaison between these students and their professors, or do the professors, um, do they have to go through a certain amount of training to accommodate these students? We do offer training and support for our faculty. Um, the students... Students who would like to use academic accommodations or any kind of accommodations register with me and we work together to create a plan. Um, much like, you may be familiar with like the terms IEP and 504 plan from the K-12 system. So much like that process, we have a plan that we then share with the instructor. And they're provided resources that they need to implement the plan and then we also have like have a testing center where we'll assist with implementation of accommodations. Is there anything that that you think that we as a community uh, could could do better at um, taking an opportunity to learn more about, you know, in an effort to support any of our students with disabilities? Hmm. Um, I think just an understanding that disability, honestly, is a completely normal part of the human experience. Um, anywhere between ten and fifteen percent of people on this planet have a disability, and it's something that a lot of us at some point in our lives will encounter. Um, you know, whether it's something short term with an injury or say depression or anxiety that may be shorter term um, or something longer term as we age or if we get injured. Um, it's a very common part of the human experience but it gives, it gives students with disabilities a different perspective. Um, and it can be really informative to how they go about their career and how they apply the skills that they're learning here. Um, people with disabilities worldwide um, struggle with access to employment and um, resources, health care and things like that. And how much more accessible does it make it if your, if your physician assistant has a disability also and they understand where you're coming from? If your, you know, pharmacist recognizes that, if your teacher, oh, wonderful, if your teacher also had a learning disability and they can help the, their students walk through that process, that, just like all of the diverse experiences that we have, 
having a disability enriches your opportunities to, to be of service. Sorry about the party going on in, <laughs> in the background there. I, I can hear it through my headphones, but it sounds like um, just you have this one-on-one -on -one interaction with these students. It sounds like it, it can be a very rewarding position, um, and you've seen probably a lot of success stories here. Definitely, yeah. That's the best part. Um, the best part of any job here, I would expect, is the, the interaction that we get to have with students, and that's one thing I love about my job is that I can see, I get to see that growth from freshman year to graduation, um, you know, or through a graduate program, like watching students as they find, you know, in, in higher education, we get to see students find their thing, you know, find what it is that makes their life purposeful. Um, and so I can't think of much else that would be more rewarding than that. Well, we're about out of time. Um, uh, thank you again for, for being a guest. I, uh, we talked at the very beginning about just you being a Campbell lifer. Mm -hmm. um, I failed to mention early on that you're also married to a, is he a Campbell lifer as well? Or? He is as well. He's also, uh, he has two degrees from Campbell as well. So okay. yeah. my husband, Wes, works in the um, College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. So, so does, uh, uh, I guess a lot of your free time, does that involve actually coming back to campus for like games and stuff? Or do you try to get Somewhat, as far away as Yeah, <laughs> we have two little kids that keep us busy, but we, uh, we are members at Memorial Baptist Church here. So our lives are centered in Bowie's Creek and we could not be happier with that decision. Well, thank you very much yeah, for being on the you. show and uh, continued luck in, in your role here. And uh, we're excited about the great things that you're doing. Thank you very much. Thank you. So this is Dr. Michelle Perez. And... I'm new here, and as we already know, and I have been fascinated with our campus traditions. And one I've heard of is Founders Week, and I am so curious about what that is and what it includes and why we have it and what are we going to do this year. So um, what, what can we learn about that today? Well, you're in luck <laughs> because uh, joining us um, right now is Elizabeth Edwards, our Director of Alumni Communications here at Campbell. And she's here to talk a little a little bit about Founders Week. Uh, Elizabeth, welcome to Rhymes with Orange. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, so we will launch our Founders Week. This is our fourth annual Founders Week. And during this week, um, the first February of each year, we celebrate our university's rich history since our founding in 1887. So this year we will have a theme based on foundations, uh, where we started and where we're going and where we have come so far. Um, beginning on Monday, February 5th, we'll begin with Founders Week celebration in our Connections class for students, along with a Founders Week students um, shirt swap. So that'll be at 11 a.m. until supplies last in academic circles. So students, be sure to take advantage of that. The shirt swap is very popular here. What is that's, a shirt swap? That's where um, if you came here a UNC fan or if you came here wearing a shirt from your old college, um, you give it to us. Uh, Campbell will donate it to people that need clothes, <laughs> organizations that need clothes, and then you get a nice, crisp, clean, orange Campbell shirt. That's, That's right. awesome. That's right. So you break it happens right outside in the in academic, academic circle. circle. So bring a gently used or a new shirt from another school or oh, so university. You bring it. You don't and literally you swap it. take it off your body. No, no, right. no, no. You swap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, 
and gently use this key too. They don't want your old ratty fraternity shirts from from 1984 or anything like that. Yeah. Something that can be worn again, I think. <laughs> and as Billy noted, these will be donated. So they're going to be donated to Beacon Rescue. So that'll be really cool. Um, I don't know that. what Beacon Rescue is either. What is? Does anyone know what Beacon Rescue is? Uh, we'll talk about that at another time. <laughs> I don't know either. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. The question, eh? <laughs> I'm sure that it's an organization that is very thankful for these shirts. What else? What else we got so going on? So on Tuesday, so leading into Tuesday, we have the opportunity to have a transformation. And this is something that um, we can have the alumni join in on. So if you have photos alumni that you'd like to share with our team, uh, we'll have a flip book. So we can see maybe what this campus was like when you were here. So we'll share those photos. And then students will also have an opportunity on that day to take pictures um, around campus. So there'll be uh transformation pictures around campus for you to stop and take a photo and share online as well. Very cool. And then Wednesday is uh, Campbell Giving Day, is that correct? Yes, Campbell Giving Day is, is one of our big days. It's an opportunity for all of our community, um, so our alumni, faculty, staff, students, and friends to get involved. And this is a day that's driven by teamwork on social media. So be sure to be uh, looking on social media that day, hashtag Campbell Giving Day, as we um, encourage folks to give a gift to Campbell. Um, share why you give on social media as well as to wear your orange. Not to be confused with Tag Day. Tag Day happens during Homecoming Week, and that's when the campus thanks the givers. Um, oh, giving okay. Day is where we do the giving. So um, throughout the day, there will be uh, challenges, I guess, where they'll, um, you know, a certain number of young alumni give will unlock a a big alumni gift. Oh, that's Things wonderful! Like that. it's pretty exciting. This year's goal was two hundred and fifty gifts. That's Very, fantastic. Yeah. And on Thursday, so we'll have Throwback Thursday, and this will be an opportunity for students. Uh, you can enjoy a throwback menu over at Marsh Banks, as well as enjoy a uh, BCA marker dedication, which is Bowie's Creek Academy. There's some exciting news to include this year, um, potential uh, location of the original site of Bowie's Creek Academy behind Kivet. So there will be an event and a dedication at 11 a.m. in the brickyard um, beside Kivet beside the back patio. I won't give away too much about that because in two weeks, Kendra Granger, who was a um, big part of finding that original location through mapping and old photos, and she's going to explain, uh, she and Sal Marcagliano are going to explain the really, really interesting process of how that came to be. But um, just to kind of tease that, they have found the original Bowie's Creek Academy building that burned down in the 1900 and wow. and it really comes down to one photo that uh, of a band like several years later and the way they were positioned and they saw another old building that used to be next to that building and they were able to to kind of figure it out by that one photo and, Stop, and don't yeah. give it away I'm not, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not but it's a really interesting story and uh um, that's going to be a really Spoiler interesting part alert. of Founders Week it's not no no it gets much more interesting than what I just said Can, is it okay if I ask what is a throwback Thursday in the in a dining hall? What do you eat that's throwback? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I was going to ask that too. I, I, I want to <laughs> say maybe red eye gravy is part of it, but uh, do you have the menu in front of you? So I know that we have fried chicken, collards. So to me, I think throwback. What did I eat at Grandma's house? And yeah. I think that oh. you will find a similar menu that day in Marsh Banks. That's wonderful. Marsh Banks had a Southern Day 
earlier this week, and that was the first time I had ever experienced that, and that was that was wonderful. Uh, the impact of these kinds of traditions on the campus culture and community and, and helping students feel connected and bringing the alumni back, that is immeasurable. So um, thank you so much for hosting this. I look sure. forward to experiencing my first one. Yeah. And Friday is a, a day for students to get involved. Um, there will be the annual Howland Games at 2 o'clock in oh, the yes. academic circle. Yeah. Highland Games! Yes, and that will be Fantastic. brought to you by CAB. Can faculty and staff participate? No, I don't think so. <laughs> but I think that would be interesting if you yes. did, yeah. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, Let's uh, have a rhymes with orange team. I like the, uh, <laughs> I, I like the, um, so in, in the real Scottish games, the they do the big giant logs, and they but here it's giant PVC pipe for, I guess, safety reasons. But uh, they have a lot of people that, you know, they were like, strolling up thinking this is going to go 40 feet. And and they realize very quickly when they pick it up how tough this is going to be. And you see some of the biggest guys maybe throw it like two feet and then kind of hang their head in shame and walk off after that. So it's a, it's a fun day. And they also usually have pretty good food out for that too, mm-hmm. like stew and usually hot chocolate and stuff like that. So that's, it's a fun day. And then Saturday, um, we'll end the week. Saturday, February 10th, at the Heritage Basketball Game. So the Campbell women's team will be taking on Liberty University at 2 p.m., and you can actually get into that game for free um, if you are able to donate any of the following socks, sweatpants, sweatshirts, underwear, hygiene items, all to um, be donated to a local elementary school. And the men will follow the women's game at 4.30 p.m. to take on Longwood. And if you stay until the end of the men's game, you will have the opportunity for a free BCA-themed um, Gaylord bobblehead. That's awesome. Oh, That's my awesome. gosh. Wait a second. Bobbleheads. I've seen these camel statues yeah. peppered around campus in a number of offices. Is that That's Founders right. Week? That is yeah. the <laughs> so, so, um, Fascinating. They've been celebrating Founders Day for years and years and years, but Founders Week actually only has been um, – maybe five years old, four years old, it, it, it started with the unveiling of that statue in front of Kivett Hall. That was the very first Founders Week, and that was about four or five years ago now. And uh, it's gotten progressively bigger and bigger since. So, I love it. Yes. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much. Anything else uh, you want to add? I would just add that you can find all of this information and more um, in our calendar of events on the main website as well as at alumni.campbell.edu. So keep up with what we have going on. And again, those dates? It is February 5th through Saturday, February 10th. So it's coming up soon. Yes. All right. That's, a, that's real soon, actually. Very. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, this, will, um, this will be very helpful for a lot of people, and uh, I hope you guys have a lot of participation this year. Okay. All right. Rhymes of the Orange is a product of Campbell University's Office of Communications and Marketing. Vice President for Advancement is Dr. Britt Davis, and Assistant Vice President for Communications and Marketing is Haven Hoddle. Rhymes of the Orange is co-produced by Sarah Harden, Director of Marketing. Director of Visual Identity is Jonathan Bronsink. And Director of Web Design is Nikki Zawal. Your hosts today are Billy Liggett, that's me, and Dr. Michelle Perez. That's me. Until next time, we'll see you. I always say see. We'll, you'll hear us <laughs> next Wednesday at this, at this time. Uh, thank you for listening this week. We'll be back again next week. And I totally botched the ending, so we're just going to end it right now. Until then... <laughs> There you go. All right. Ah.